91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome in to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside, as always, Bay Marks. And today started off as a dreary Thursday. But right now, it's sunny and bright outside. It feels great. Yeah, I know. Woke up. It was raining. Did not think we were going to get tip off in tumors or tip off at tumors in tonight, which we'll briefly mention later. But uh, yeah, it feels better outside, and uh, it'll be a good day. Hopefully, we'll uh, translate this weather over into the weekend with all the rain we've been getting. I believe the forecast is calling for clear skies on Saturday for the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But first, let's take a look back at last Saturday. The Historical, monumental win for the Auburn Tigers as they marched into Baton Rouge, Death Valley, however, whatever you want to call it, Tiger Stadium, and they won for the first time since we were not even on this planet, babe. <laughs> right, we were not even born yet, but uh, Jacob and I getting to make our first trips ever down to the Bayou, and uh, what an incredible experience that was, just getting to see that kind of atmosphere and the people and uh, getting to experience Tiger Stadium and Death Valley, but... Um, Bo Nix did start the game. I think that was the biggest thing going into the game was Bo did start. Uh, Finley came in for one series on the third series of the game, um, and then he did not play again. But Bo Nix, his final stat line passing, 23 of 44, so right over the 500 mark, 255 yards, and one incredible touchdown pass. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely cool. go look that up. Um, and he was also the team's leading rusher, uh, quickly fall behind Jarquez Hunter um, and Tank Bigsby, who's kind of been battling a little bit of an injury. Let me tell you, that, I mean... It wasn't packed, but the atmosphere was a lot of fun. It was. It was, I'll say it was barely louder than Penn State. I think the Penn so what I'll say is the atmosphere, Penn State's was a lot cooler just to be like in it and like feel it. And then LSU's was a little more, it was a little more loud, felt a little more intimidating. Um, but I had I had a great time. Uh, all the LSU fans were nice to me. Um, only one guy. Had a few bad eggs every now and then. Only one guy. And I, I think he was just upset that. I was having a little cigar in Tiger Stadium just yeah. to honor that 1999 team. Shout out Cole Kubelik, shout out Ben Leard and the rest of the 99 squad. But, I mean, it, it was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. And you mentioned the Bo Nix touchdown. Man, I was in the concourse for that. I was in line getting at concessions. Oh, uh, what a terrible time to get concessions. Well, I was, I was between Auburn fans. We just hugged when he threw that touchdown pass. It, it, was, it was really cool because, I mean, it was just like, no, 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 no. Oh, my God, he scored a touchdown. How? Because yeah. – that was Bo Nix looking like Johnny Manziel as he usually does. I mean, we remember the play last year against Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel's former team, and everyone made the comparisons. That was Johnny Manziel-esque. Yeah, I mean, that play kind of started out, rolled out to the right um, from under center, mind you, and it just immediately looked like a busted play, nowhere to go, and I believe it was fourth down, um, and Auburn was going for it. He rolls back to the left. You see all the white and gold swarming him and just like Jacob said everybody in the Auburn upper deck would just gasp of you know desperation and <laughs> just did not know what he was doing and he heaves it up there just as a desperation throw but it was right on target to Tyler Fromm. Credit the receivers as well for sticking with it and going with Knicks and making sure they are on the side of the field that he is because he can't make that throw all the way to the other numbers. Yeah. Fromm was cutting it across with them and he was wide open. I, there was another receiver that was short of the end zone that was also open so Knicks had two options there and he made the most of it. I really think that Bo Nix just stepped up 
because of what yeah. happened the week before. Yeah, I mean, his stat line wasn't anything incredible, but, but I mean, he made that crazy throw to Kobe Hudson, which wasn't really talked about. He made several clutch well, throws to Demetrius Robertson. The Robertson pass on the other fourth down, I thought that was an even more impressive. I know. Throw, because yeah. that was about 40 yards across his body. And the window was about yay yes, big. it was a perfect pass. Yeah. I mean, I really have never seen Bo Nix put a throw on the money like that in his career. Yeah, I mean, Bo Nix definitely stepped up at... Obviously, the best road game of his career. Um, again, not shiny stats, but he led that team. He put the team on his back at some points, even like early in the first quarter um, after LSU scored their initial touchdown. It kind of seemed like, well, you know, this this might not go our way today. Um, and credit to the defense, too, second half. I mean, just really stepping up Derek Mason's defense. I guess that's going to be their theme this year is yeah. <laughs> stepping up in the second half after allowing uh, a few scores in the first. But um Another really unsung hero that we hadn't really talked about that really stepped up in clutch situations was senior running back Sean Shivers. Yes, he did. I mean, out of the backfield, I feel like the play designs were perfect to just swing out in the flat and let him make a move. Did you see that move he put on that LSU defensive back that Mm -hmm. put him to his knees? Sean Shivers didn't have the ball yet when he made that move. He was still gaining control of the football when he made that juke and made that LSU defensive back look silly. Yeah. It was incredible, but... I mean, you got the seniors and you've got the young guys, Jarquez Hunter, playing well. But back to Shivers, I just I was so impressed after really not playing a lot the previous weeks due to COVID and having to get his feet wet again. I thought he really stepped up. Yeah, and and speaking of running backs, like you just mentioned, the SEC uh, co-offensive freshman of the week, uh, Jarquez Hunter, and Bo actually won SEC co-offensive player of the week. Co 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 co. <laughs> yeah, three guys did, but Bo Nick should have won that outright. Just putting it out there. Jarquez Hunter, the freshman, who's had a great season so far. Six carries for 65 yards. Um, he also had one catch for 10 yards. I mean, he's really been impressive as a freshman running back. And Tank Bigsby with nine carries for only 27 yards. I know a lot of people were really concerned about Tank. Um, Tank is battling a minor injury right now. And I also think he's kind of just gearing up for that Georgia game. Um, but that's also a great problem for Auburn to have is three running backs who you can rely on each and every week, one different guy or the next. Um and then also shout out to John Samuel Shanker, the leading receiver Ooh. for Auburn. Five catches for 102 yards. I mean, he's been the most reliable receiver so far this year, and we mentioned that last week on the show. He was the first tight end to get 100 receiving yards since 1994. Guess who the quarterback of that 1994 team was? Patrick Nix. Mm-hmm. And I'll find the name of the tight end that had the 100 yards, but I cannot recall his name right now. And yeah, you're right. John Samuel Shanker has been the most reliable receiver for Bo Nix going into the season we thought maybe it'd be Demetrius Robertson because he's the most experienced he might not have been the most experienced at Auburn but no one really has much experience at Auburn coming into this season but John Samuel Schenker was a guy that we talked about because we had heard so much about the tight ends but now here we are John Samuel Schenker is the leading Tiger receiver in the biggest win of the season so far yeah and then going on the other side of the ball I mean I think a big thing coming out of this game was a lot of people really did realize, I think a lot of people realized this after Georgia State, um, but a lot of people looked at the fact that Auburn's defense is a completely different unit with Sakobi McLean on the field. Uh, McLean had 12 total tackles on the day, four solos. Um, I mean, that defense really in the second half, I know I harped on it earlier, but they really rallied together in the second half. They kind of settled down, and Derek Mason's game plan changed on the fly. Um, and it's really nice to see a defense be able to make adjustments like that on the fly and not get too frazzled in the second half. And I think that's the most important thing for this team because you look at that first drive, and that's going to happen. They're they're still really figuring out this 3-4 defense, but, I mean, you've got, like I said, you got guys stepping up and figuring things out as they go. You're also missing Owen Papo. You were missing yeah, you were. very important guys 
and Zykevius Walker. When you have them back and healthy, then I think things will improve and you won't have to make as many adjustments. But I mean, I really think it was also, it's also a bend but don't break kind of aspect because they kicked a lot of field goals. That's how they got their points on the board. But they didn't give up many, very many touchdowns. So. No, they didn't. Especially in that second half, that was a completely different um, defensive unit overall. It really was. And I cannot, I still cannot find the tight end's name. But the point is, is that this team was really resilient. It was the first comeback win on the road for Auburn of 13-plus points since, guess when? 2010 Alabama. Yep. That is a... That's also a big stat. Yeah. I mean, this win was just so big in so many different ways, it's really hard to capture it because first-year head coach. Haven't won in Death Valley since 1999. I mean, we remember we talked about it also last week, how Harson didn't really know in this presser. They told him about the fire. They told him about all kinds of things, and he just did not know because he hasn't been around this part of the country. And then you've got Bo Nix being benched last week, but he comes in plays one of the best games of his life at Auburn. And then all the other guys stepping up. The defense, as you mentioned, was just making adjustments through the game. So, I mean, moving forward, yeah, and you want to back that up. You don't have to win this weekend because the Georgia team is extremely good. But you want to keep putting up good performances. That's the most important thing with his yeah. first-year head coach. Yeah. And now moving on to Georgia weekend. Yes. The Deep South sold this rivalry. <laughs> Quick stat. Georgia, I, don't, I think it's their last two games, two or three games. Um, regardless, their last few games, they have outscored their opponents 99 to nothing. I mean, that's scary. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that statistic. I mean, all it, I mean, their defense is so, so good. If this game was at Georgia, I the, the spread right now is 14 and a half. I couldn't imagine what it would be at Georgia. because At least 25. I think so. 24, 25. I think so. And you look at last week, what they did to Arkansas, that crowd. I mean, they, they won't have the crowd this week. But Arkansas didn't snap the ball before they had two false start penalties. So... I still think that is part of partially the crowd, but also just they're so amped up to play against this Georgia defense that is so, so good. I mean, every year it feels like this happens with Georgia, and then they end up collapsing at some point. I think this Georgia team is different. Speaking of the Auburn offense going to go facing against the Georgia defense, Auburn has scored 200 points uh, so far this season, and that is the seventh most um, through the first five games in program history. Um, so Auburn's offense, uh, it's not high-powered and electric as we've been used to since 2013. Um, but seeing Mike Bobo, who understands that SEC and Georgia defense, it'll be interesting to see in what angles does he attack that defense. Because to be honest, there's not really a weak point. I mean, There is not. I mean, we thought Arkansas would at least put up some kind of a fight last week. College game day being there, hyped-up crowd. They're rolling. They're white-hot top 10 for the first time in who knows how long yeah. and 2012 since 2012 since 2012 and they put a goose egg on the board crazy I mean with one of the best receivers in the nation one of the most talented younger quarterbacks in the nation um, and KJ Jefferson I mean <sighs> I mean I think the bit the best hope for Auburn is to not allow Georgia to score yeah and the crowd is going to have to be a factor in that as well I think that I, I believe it'll be Stetson Bennett this weekend and yeah, that's another thing. Auburn doesn't know who's starting for the second yeah. year in a row. I, I believe that it's pretty set in stone that it's Stetson Bennett, but... It's I, not a huge drop-off either we way. I don't know exactly. Yeah. I think Bennett is more mobile than than JT Daniels. JT Daniels is, but I just I think that's bad for Auburn. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see what Auburn's defensive strategy is because, once again, their offense is good enough whenever they're constantly getting the ball because their defense is forcing three and outs all over the place. 
One other stat, I believe Nathan King posted it. The last 15, I think 15, 15 times Georgia's opponents have crossed the 50-yard line. They, there's been like 12 punts, three, uh, three field goals, or maybe two field goals and one touchdown. Yeah. That is a huge deal because that means opponents are getting across the 50 every now and then. Yeah. If Auburn does that and they don't score, you're not winning that game. That Georgia defense averages only allowing 177 yards per game, 4.6 points per game, and 67 rushing yards a game. Sounds like somebody needs to establish it this weekend. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is the most important thing. And we haven't really seen that lately. You didn't see it against no. Georgia State. You didn't see it against LSU. Um, I mean, if anything, you saw it against Penn State. Yeah, you're right. And But since then, you haven't really seen a true running game attack from Auburn. Yeah, because it feels like they've been passing to set up the run, which is which is interesting. It, it worked last week because that last drive that Jarquez Hunter had was set up because of everything Bo Nix had done up to that point. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go this week. Like you said, Penn State was definitely run first, pass second, and then the last two weeks has not been that. It's been pass first, run second. Um, regardless, though, I think Auburn's got their hands even full on defense, like you said, regardless of who's at quarterback. You also have a veteran running back in Zamir White in that backfield. Zamir White running for 275 yards and four touchdowns so far this year. Um, so he is no uh, stranger to putting the ball in the end zone himself. Um the two biggest things, I think, for Auburn this weekend, one, like Jake, like we just said, establishing the run on offense. If you get that run established and you can get Bo Nix's arm comfortable in the air, which, hey, at home he's most comfortable. I mean, he wasn't against Georgia State, but primarily throughout his career, he's been more comfortable in Jern Hare. Second, on defense, it's going to be containing, like Jacob just said earlier, a mobile Stetson Bennett and making sure they contain that offense. Because, I mean, if we're going to be completely honest, Auburn's defensive line will not get a huge push in this game. No. They, they had a pretty good game against LSU. Well, I but, mean, it was kind of funny. The most success they had was when they rushed two guys. Yes, <laughs> Echo exactly. Eliota, he had a great uh, rundown whenever he was one of two guys rushing, and he almost got the sack out of it. Yeah, him, Colby Wooden, and Derek Hall really stepping up in the absence of a few players. Um, so they had, I think, so far one of their better games of the year. Um, but if I'm going to be completely honest, that Georgia offensive line, in my opinion. A little bit different. Uh, yeah. Built, built different. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's my two biggest keys. I think Auburn's got to contain Stetson Bennett while getting some pressure on him. Um, and then Bo Nix and the offense need to establish the run to allow Nix to be a little bit more comfortable in that pocket. Yeah, and I think and, – and one more I'll say is back to the getting across the 50 and actually scoring. You know, you cannot waste any opportunities because you don't get many against Georgia. I, I really think that – you might get three chances to score a touchdown on Saturday. And that could be enough. We we really don't know if this Georgia offense— In 2019, offense, it would have been enough. Exactly. We don't know what this Georgia offense is truly made of. Of course, the defense, they, they seem to be on and off, and they they fluctuate throughout the game, how well they're playing. So I think I think the defense is on top of its game, and there are no waste opportunities offensively. Auburn will have a chance to win the game. All right. So having said that, Auburn, you say Auburn doing that does have a chance. What is your official prediction? I, I, I'm going to have to give it to Georgia by, by, I think, if it's 14 and a half, Auburn covers. Really? Georgia wins by 14. I think Auburn wins, but I think Georgia covers. Or no, sorry, Georgia wins, but <laughs> Auburn does not cover. Sorry. I think Georgia wins by at least two scores. When was the last time Auburn was embarrassed at home? 2012. Georgia, 38 nothing. We'll see. I don't think that happens on Saturday in Jordan-Hare because... This crowd's going to be fired up after two days off for fall break, but we are going to be back on the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM talking college football after this break.
Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back to the show after our commercial break. Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks live from the Weagle Studios. Just finished recapping Auburn and Baton Rouge. And we just finished previewing Auburn versus Georgia. Something else I'm going to mention. What's that? The new t-shirt that dropped for Bo Nix. Oh, yeah. He has that NIL deal with Breaking Tea. And, man, that I, I bought it. The I'm Bo Nix experience. The Bo Nix experience. I mean, I love that. I love that phrase. It's I should got buy the it just because of the, the tiger eyes. Oh, yeah, the tiger eyes are nice. You know how I feel about the tiger eyes. I know. Eyes. They are so nice. And yeah. I don't know why Auburn doesn't use them that much. They're on the some of the basketball uh, chairs in the arena. So yes. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of like a maybe a secondary logo. <sighs> It's a secondary logo that Auburn doesn't use. <laughs> they should use it more. Yeah. I know it was really popular in the 2000s. Yeah, that, and that's about the time that, you know, it was, it was kind of like the, I think Alabama had a logo similar with the, yes. with the elephant and stuff. Um, but anyways, really like that logo. I do too. So if you want to call into the scoreboard and talk about college football this week, call in at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. Jacob and I are going to waste no time getting into week six of college football because, boy, there are some... Uh, there are some crazy matchups this weekend, some yes, really nice are. matchups to watch. Um, so you might want to find a great place if you're not going to the Auburn-Georgia game to sit down and watch a few of these matchups. Saturday's getting kicked off with one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports, the Red River Rivalry. Oklahoma. Say that five times fast. Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry. <laughs> Red River Rivalry. Red River... I can't do it. Anyways, uh, number six, Oklahoma. They are playing number 21, Texas, in the Red River Rivalry, and I think they now call it the Showdown, like the Red yeah, River Showdown, which... Uh, Dumb. Yeah. Um, ABC, 11 a.m. right after game day. Oklahoma is favored by three in the spread. Um, what do we think of this game? Because I've actually heard a lot of people have taking the Longhorns in this it's, game. It's interesting. I don't like Texas in this game, honestly, at all. I, I like Oklahoma. I don't think – I think they've recovered from the two-lane almost catastrophe, and I, I think they're going to get it done on Saturday against the Longhorns. And I think they get it done pretty handedly. Yeah, I think I like Spencer Rattler a little bit better in this game right. um, than I do Casey Thompson. Um, and like you said, looking back at Oklahoma's last five games of this year, I really th- think uh, since that Tulane game, um, and they've sweat or they snuck out against Kansas State last week. I think I'm going to take them just because I like Rattler a little bit more. Um, but I mean, don't get confused. This will not be a low-scoring game by any means. Yeah, the over/under is 63 and a half. Yeah, especially with Sark leading the Longhorns this year. I mean. Lincoln Riley and Sark are not going to leave their bags full with any tricks. I think what gives Texas the best chances with John Robinson. If he has a big game, he he shows out. Uh, he's got 652 yards already on the ground. Then I think Texas will have a good chance to win and and really put him in a position. They if Texas controls the ball with Robinson running it, they'll have a chance. Also, why is this game day? I don't There's know. There's another matchup we're going to talk about later that absolutely should be game day, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. So, number 13 versus number 17. Arkansas and Ole Miss, another 11 a.m. game. Honestly, I thought this was going to be Auburn. This had a chance to be the game of the year. <laughs> it did, but I thought, well, when the schedules came out last Monday, uh, Jordan was asking me, is Auburn going to be 11 a.m. or 2.30? And I was like, if I was a betting man, which one of us in this room is, <laughs> I would put all of my money on Auburn being an 11 a.m. The, the issue is what happened on last Saturday. Exactly. And but, that's why this this matchup is very interesting. I don't know. I completely agree. I think, I mean, the fact that it's at Ole Miss – I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think this I is kind of a home team wins game. I do think that is the difference as well because this is a clash of styles. This is the hard-nosed offensive line coach at Arkansas being the head coach against 
Lane Kiffin, pass happy, ready to spread the ball out and have as many as drives as possible, go for a fourth and two from your own 25 like a wild man. And I think that it'll work against Arkansas. It won't work against Alabama, as we saw last weekend, but I think Ole Miss gets it done at home. Yeah, I think they bounce back. Um, I like Matt Corral better than K.J. Jefferson, even though Jefferson is a young, good quarterback. Corral just does a better job of taking care of the ball. He's got no picks so far this year. Um, give me the Rebels at home. If this game was in Fayetteville, um, I would be picking the Hogs. Yeah, and I think the issue with Jefferson is he is young, and he's yeah. in these hostile environments, he hasn't quite figured it out. Is Vaught Hemingway Stadium a hostile environment? I think it might be on Saturday. I do think it will be. Okay. I, I'm not doubting Athens last weekend, but Vaught Hemingway, that's I mean, this takes is, a little convincing. Is this not their me. biggest game at home so far this year? This year, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's why they'll be hyped up, even though after last week they might be a little less. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you had me confused there for a minute because I was sitting there thinking like, uh, anyways, this is what we were talking about earlier. At least I'm assuming this is what Jacob was talking about. On Fox, 3 p.m., yep. the number four-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions traveling to Iowa, the number three-ranked team in the nation, a spread of one and a half in favor of Iowa. And this probably should be game day, but absolutely. who do you have in this game? Three to four, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. Right now, I, I need to look at it a little more because I don't know how good Penn State is. They shut out Indiana last week. That was a good win. And Indiana... We also don't know if it's very good or not. But that being said, I think we know Iowa's good. Yeah. What they did to Maryland last week was honestly just a clinic. 51 points to Maryland's 14. Talia Tungavaloa did not play very well. No, he did not. Five interceptions. Count them. Five interceptions. 16 for 29 for 157 yards. Even when he's completely passes, they weren't going very far. Yeah. I like Iowa in this game. So do I. And I do think that Penn State... Is probably a pretty good team, but man, Iowa at Kinnick Stadium is hard to beat. But Penn State is one of those teams that has had a lot of success at Iowa. I think that Iowa wins this game. Um, I think their ground game is a little more reliant. Um, and I also feel like this Iowa defense could probably put a little bit more pressure on Sean Clifford than Auburn did. True. I'm a true believer in the fact that if Auburn gets more pressure on Clifford, they walk out of Happy Valley with a win. Well, Clifford doesn't go 28 for 32 in exactly, that game. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, if, if they can find a way to get pressured on a Sean Clifford, which they should, um, and their O-line holds up in a run game, allowing the passing game to open up for Petrus, I really think Iowa wins this game. I think they cover, obviously, but I think they win by 10. With it being at home and afternoon kickoff? Yeah, I might. I mean, yeah, if, if I'm picking them to win, I think they're going to cover. It's one and a half points. But I think that, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be back and forth. I think that. Honestly, it might be the last team with the ball scores. It could be. Last team with the ball wins. This so. could be one of those classic Big Ten matchups where it's 7-10 to 10 until two <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's, it's very possible. And it somehow ends up being 21-17. to 17. Gosh. What? Yeah. Gosh. Just utter chaos. Just. I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, Iowa-Penn State was the game in 2004, 2002. That was 6-4. to four. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's just know. Let's also just point out how refreshing it is. Um to see these two teams at the top of the Big Ten at this point in the season. It really is. Granted, we do have Ohio State ranked 7th, but... Michigan's nine. Yeah, Michigan's getting up there as well. It's just refreshing to see um, some different teams really making noise in that conference. I think it's been really good uh, for college football and, so far. And speaking of Michigan, I don't know if you're going to talk about it or not, but I want to talk about the Michigan. No, yeah, that's game. the next game I was going to go to. Why is Michigan only a three-and-a-half-point favorite? I just think because it's a night game at Nebraska. Yeah, and, and Nebraska has done better since that just absolute disaster against Illinois. 
They beat Northwestern 56-7. They only lost by three in overtime to Michigan State. Only lost by a score to Oklahoma. At Oklahoma. So, yeah. I mean, their two losses since. I mean, all, all their losses have been on the road. So, you never know. I'd, you never know. It's not enough for me. I like Michigan. We were talking about them earlier. I think McNamara and John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, um, I think they've kind of put it together a little more this year than we've seen previously in Harbaugh's tenure. Yeah. And they're kind of just rolling right now. I think I'm trying to talk myself into it when I really shouldn't. I, I, I do think Michigan's going to win this game. I think Michigan's a safe pick. But I do think that it'll be close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be close, but I don't. I wouldn't put any faith in Nebraska and Scott Frost. What, what about in a few weeks when they uh, travel? Oh, no, they host Ohio State. Wow. I just realized that their schedule sets up really well. It's too bad they already lost three times. But they got Michigan and Ohio State and Iowa at home. I was sitting there wondering why they had already played six games this year, and I was like, Week oh, zero. Right. They played Week Zero. <laughs> and got embarrassed by Illinois. That's correct. Moving on, another night game. Notre Dame traveling to Virginia Tech, a huge trap game. Um, the spread is even right now, so this could go either way. Pick Who are we going with? I don't know. I like Virginia. I like Virginia Tech. Um, what they did against North Carolina and Sam Howell shows me they can probably do it against Notre Dame. Not that North Carolina and Sam Howell are all that impressive this year, but I just still am not impressed by Notre Dame. You saw what happened against Cincinnati. They couldn't score. They yeah. couldn't score at home. They had so. to go to three overtimes with Florida State, too. Yeah, and Florida State, obviously, not very good. So This will be my upset of the week. Yeah, and, I mean, it's not much of an upset. Yeah. It's Ranking-wise, yes, but it is a pick em. Yeah. I'm picking Virginia Tech as well. Yeah, I'm going to pick Virginia Tech. I think seeing what they did uh, against Virginia earlier this year in that passing game that they've had so far, I think the Hokies at home in a night game, um, I know Ooh. that— Sandstorm's going to be rocking. I know. I was going to say, I know that Cohen already has been in a night game in conference so far this year, um, or at the ACC at Florida State, but <laughs> I think Virginia Tech's going to get it done. Night game, that's a very hostile environment. I just realized this game's on the ACC network. What are we doing? What are we doing, TV? What are we doing? Like, ESPN, do be better. Yeah. Be better. It's, it's kind of kind of horrible to look at the, the, the lineup this weekend and what networks they're on. Is there an ABC game at night? There might not be because it's they're going Michigan up against— Michigan and Nebraska. Oh, and that's okay. But yeah, but— goodness. But why isn't one of these ranked match? Why isn't Penn State Iowa game day or a seven o'clock kickoff? I wish I did. we got to miss that game. Why is it? Yeah, I know. Why is it a ranked SEC matchup in Arkansas and Ole Miss a night game? It's now I will say that's because of the network designations. It's kind of a draft where CBS the seven p.m. game got first pick, second pick was CBS at two thirty, and third pick was ESPN at eleven a.m. So that's how that shaped out. But I mean, putting Notre Dame and Virginia Tech on ACC network. It's just horrible. Terrible. Terrible job, ESPN. Move on. Let's go. Last two games before we head to break. LSU traveling to an undefeated Kentucky team, ranked 16th in the nation. They are 5-0, and and yes, you heard me correctly. Does LSU bounce back against the three-and-a-half-point spread? I have takes here. Kentucky is going to finish the season 10-2 and and go to the Sugar Bowl. Wow. That is my take. So, so they finished second in the East? Look at their schedule. Yes. Now look at their schedule. They beat Florida, and now they host LSU. They're going to lose to Georgia. And I think they'll lose one of these games they shouldn't. I At Mississippi State, that's a, that's a scary one. Hosting Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Louisville, they're not very good. But I could see them losing one of these games because just simply, it's Kentucky. I, yeah. There's no way Kentucky's going to go 11-1, right? I think, I think I might go with Kentucky at home. They're rolling right now in yeah, a night absolutely. game. I mean, that'll be a rocking crowd. And uh, I think LSU's going to have to rely on Max Johnson because they don't have a running game. They didn't have one last week. It's heating up. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it is red high right now. If, he, the if they had lost to Mississippi State, he might not have made it to Auburn. 
Real quick, number one Alabama traveling to Texas A&M in a 7 o'clock kick on CBS, the doubleheader for this Saturday. You never know with this series. You truly never know who's going to win this game. You think that? No. This game's over by halftime. Texas A&M's horrible. It's called hyping it up. It's yeah, I, I'm hyping it up. Why are you hyping this game up? We don't want to hype this, this game up. <laughs> Alabama, do they cover? 18 what point spread? Or? They double that. Okay. I think, wow. they, I think they win by 30. I was, I was going to say 30. I think they win by 30. Yeah. So that's our college football predictions for week six on the other side of the break. Jacob Hillman and myself, Bay Marks, will look at the NFL, give you updates and predictions and all the storylines. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks with Jacob Hillman on the scoreboard. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. I can't believe Bay would play this Meek Mill song when the Panthers are playing the Eagles this weekend. <laughs> I mean. That's my bad. Yeah, I mean, at least it's Dre singing right now. Yeah. But Meek Mill isn't this song. I, whatever. Well, we're getting into the NFL. Week, what week is it? Week five of the NFL season as things are starting to ramp up. We're starting to see who is it and who is not it. In the NFL, who's going to be the contenders? Who's going to be the pretenders? There's one undefeated team left. It is the Arizona Cardinals as they they got a big win last weekend against... They have the highest chance to win their division now. That's crazy. 50-something percent? That division's wild. Yeah. It really is. Out west in the NFC. We'll get started tonight with an NFC West battle. These, I almost called them the St. Louis Rams. The Los Angeles Rams going to Seattle to play at what is not known as CenturyLink Field anymore. It is Lumen Field. Yeah, don't, who, don't like that. Who, who, who are we picking here? I like the Rams. I think they bounce back from a divisional loss at home. Um, I know the Seahawks are they're on a win, or they just beat the 49ers on the road, mm-hmm. um, but the two losses they had the games before that against Minnesota, who's not really a great team, um, and then Tennessee in overtime, it doesn't give me as much faith in Russell Wilson in that team so far this year, especially because their defense hasn't been as good. Um, I'm going to take the Rams on the road. I think Sean McVay gets back on a winning streak, and they move to 4-1. and one. Yeah, I don't think that the Rams perform too badly against the Cardinals. The Cardinals just seem to be very good. Look at the or look at the matchup predictor. Yeah, it's right down the middle. They, there's a, they, both those teams have a 49.8% chance to win, and there's a 0.4% yeah. chance to tie. Hey, you hey, never know. We want the tie. We yeah. want the tie. I'm picking a tie. Just kidding. <laughs> Rams are going to win. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is still the guy that is going to make the difference for the Rams this season. And they will be on their way to probably a wild card spot this year, and they will have a chance in that position. Moving to Sunday, we'll just start off with the morning game, the game that eight thirty a.m. from Tot- London, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That stadium is beautiful, by the way. Yeah. Um, Jets Falcons. Calvin Ridley's not playing. Matt Ryan. He's kind of slinging it, but don't be worried about getting up early for this game. No. Just, just sleep through this one and get yourself ready for the rest of the day. I was about to say, when you're recovering from Auburn's win against Georgia, don't worry about this game. Or a loss. Nah, no, no, no. You, we're, we're, you could be recovered be from positive. that as well. Be positive. I All like right. the Falcons. I think that uh, Matt Ryan and that offense has looked a lot better than the Jets' offense so far this year. Um, and it's it's just the Jets. It's a battle it's of a, one and three teams. It's the Jets. It's Zach Wilson. Yeah. So uh, I'll take I'll take an experienced Matt Ryan in Europe. Agreed, especially with the travel, traveling and stuff. I believe the Falcons have made this trip before, so Matt Ryan kind of knows what he's doing with it. Um, so I'm going to pick the Falcons. I think they went by two scores. Moving to the afternoon slates. I let's, let's start with both of our teams. Both of our teams, the Packers and the Panthers, are three-point favorites over their opponents. We'll start off with your Packers. I think the Packers get upset this weekend. Against the Bengals. I think the Bengals went at home and they moved to 4-1. and one. I really, really liked what I saw out of them last Thursday night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, that team we'll get to. But yeah, here, Here's the thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, that was just a good win, a come-from-behind win at home 
Um, the offense looked really good, especially with C.J. Uzama. I mean, he had a career yeah, game. Um, I just think that they trip up the Packers at home this week, and I think the Packers are going to have to reevaluate moving down to 3-2. and two. There are huge implications, in the, not implications, but factors in this game of why I agree with you that the Bengals will win, one, being at home, Two, they've had a long week, whereas the Packers are having to travel off of a Sunday game. Yeah. Jair Alexander probably won't play. Yeah. And that's going to lead Jamar Chase as well as C.J. Uzama and T. Higgins wide open. Yeah. And Joe Burrow shows that he can do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that this will be a panic game for the Packers. I think they'll keep it close. And it's just it's just unfortunate that they, that they are in these circumstances traveling to Cincinnati, and I think Cincinnati will get it done. Moving on to my Panthers against the Eagles. Eagles stink. They do. I'm yeah. my Panthers. And we, we said this when you were talking about you thought that uh, your Panthers would go 8-0 to start the season, I believe is what you said. I did. I thought they'd lose against Dallas, which they did, but they come back and they beat the Eagles at home. Um, I think Sam Darnold and offense get back in the groove of things, and I think they win this one pretty easily. The spread's only three. I'd honestly give this give them this game by 7 or 10. And I, that, I think they win. That Dallas game was not as close as the score indicated. going to be honest, they the Panthers made a fourth-quarter charge, but... I still like the Panthers. I still think they look good. They might be getting CMC back. So we'll that, see. that's a big plus. Yeah. Moving on to an NFC North battle. Lions, Vikings. Both of these teams are kind of unlucky. Yeah. I think both of these teams are not as bad as their record shows, but they got to get a win. Someone's got to win, and if you don't, you're kind of in a terrible position. Yeah, I think I'm honestly going to take the Lions on the road. Um, I think that they win and get their first win of the year. Jared Goff hasn't really looked that bad this year. He's just kind of in a tough situation with the team that he's on. And also Jamal Williams moving from the Packers over to Detroit. He's kind of really made his presence known. Um, so I think they win. I don't really think Minnesota is that great outside of Dalvin Cook and just Justin Jefferson. I just don't think so. Yeah, the Lions are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, and I think they easily cover that. And I do think that they win. Yeah. I, I think the Vikings are – this is going to be kind of their game where it's like, okay, this is not the year. Yeah. Moving it's, on. it's never the year. No, this is not the year. You don't ever say this is the year. That's that's a bad omen. We stopped saying it, and hey, look what happened last weekend for Auburn. All right, Broncos, Steelers. Steelers are bad. Broncos, they fell off their their uh <laughs> they, they fell off cloud nine. Yeah. Back to earth. They're three and one now, not undefeated. The so. spread is even, but I'm gonna take the Broncos on the road. Yeah, I agree because this Ben Roethlisberger just looks bad I he could honestly get cut or traded after this week he really could I mean he's got he's, that's tough to say for a quarterback that brought you a Super Bowl right but, I mean he's such a he's a legend he really is he's a legendary quarterback I mean you got to move on someday you do moving on to Dolphins Bucks a Florida matchup which one gets it done you know Tampa Bay really didn't look that strong in Foxborough last week it took a lot out of them just to get the win against uh Brady's old team um but I think they revert back to their usual ways uh, at home this week, coming back down from a two-game road stint, and I think they beat the Dolphins, and the Dolphins will drop to one and four, which a lot of teams or a lot of people really didn't think that this no. team uh, would be like that. It'll be interesting to see if Carlin Davis is also back. I know he was out as well. Geraldine was as well. So I- I'm still picking the Bucks. I think you can't bet against Tom Brady at home. So Never. We'll, we'll we'll give it to the Buccaneers. Saints football team. This is actually I think a lot more interesting than people are making it out to yeah. be. It's a big game for both teams. This might be my NFL upset of the week. Okay. I think that, well, besides Bengals-Packers, I think that Washington and Taylor Heineke, we were just talking to Alex Houston about it. I like Heineke, and I think they can get it done at home. I truly think so. I'm picking the Saints. I I don't think, you know, Washington, it seems like they're going to be on and off all year, and I think this game they're going to be off, and I think we're going to see a Jameis game like we saw in week one. So Don't doubt doubt the Heine. I, I won't. I won't, but this week I am. 
All right, Titans-Jaguars, AFC South battle. I don't like the Titans. I'm going to be honest. I don't either, but with everything yeah, going on in the Jaguars organization, say, <laughs> it's kind of hard to pick them. This this would be the week that the Titans need to figure it out and turn it around because they can try a lot of different things this week. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. I mean, they'll be playing in front of a half-full TIAA, TIAA bank field. Um, I like the Titans on the road, and I think – Jacksonville's got a lot more than personnel issues right now uh, within their organization. Here's the thing. To show you how bad the Titans are, they're only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, and Jacksonville's bad. They are like, terrible. They are really bad. And they got the number one overall pick last year. So. Yes, they did. All right. NRG Stadium, Texans, Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are that bad. I don't think they are either. I think we saw a good showing from Mac Jones last yeah. week against the GOAT. Um, had the GOAT on his heels despite them being on a two-game skid. Um, I think they'll take this one from Houston. Houston's also not good at all. I mean, their only win is against Jacksonville, um, and they lost 40 to nothing last week. So um, I think it'll be actually a close game, but I think you'll see a great game from Mac Jones, and they'll take it on the road. Moving to the 3 o'clock slate, we're going to try to move through these kind of quickly. Justin Fields is finally your starter in Chicago. He travels to Las Vegas this week. Playing in the Death Star is going to be tough. Give me the Raiders at home with Peyton Barber. I'm with you. I, I like what the Raiders are showing this year. I think they might be a serious contender. We'll see later on in the year when they start facing their tough opponents and see what happens when they play the Chiefs as well. But I like the Raiders in this one. Browns Chargers. I think this is the game of the week. This might it might be. We have a few good matchups, and I'm going to take the Chargers at home. Yeah, I I do like the Chargers as well. Justin Herbert. He seems to be a baller, and I think. I said don't ever say it, but I think this is the year for the Chargers. I mean, where they get into as a wild card team. I don't think they they did beat the Chiefs, but I don't think they win the division over there. They had a quick turnaround, and I mean, the the I despite it being a quick turnaround, it is a home game, but I still really like them, and I like what I've seen from Herbert so far. Giants, Cowboys, those New York football Giants got a huge win in the Superdome for the Saints' first home game of the year. I still don't think they're going to – be worth anything this year, though. I'm just surprised that the spread is only seven. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'll take the Cowboys in Jerry's world. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys by two scores. All right, 49ers, Cardinals, NFC West battle. They'll see what their two counterparts do on Thursday night, but will the Cardinals remain undefeated? I think they do. I think San Francisco drops below 500. Um, we'll see what Kyler Murray is really about this weekend. I think it'll be tough to beat the 49ers at home. I think it'll be competitive. Um, but Arizona, I mean, they're just a very hot team right now, and they very well might just win this division. Uh, let's talk about Kyler Murray for a minute because I'm looking something up. I'm going to look up if he's the MVP favorite yet because I think those discussions are starting to ramp up. I think it's him, Dak, and Josh Allen, maybe? Probably. I think they're three of the top ones. And the thing is, is if they continue this undefeated streak, you cannot, especially in this division, you cannot oh, yeah. not give him the award. No. And he's such an exciting player. I love watching him. I love Kyler Murray. And I, I'm going to pick them to win and remain undefeated. And I really don't know when uh, when he will lose because it, it's just – here's the thing. He is a fun player to watch, and people pull for him. They're, you And you don't doubt him because if you doubt him, you get what happens in the Bills game last year, and he throws a crazy Hail Mary that DeAndre Hawkins will catch. I mean, the only the only easy win games they really have for the rest of this year, honestly, is Houston in a couple weeks. Then down the road, they have Detroit and maybe even Indianapolis. Besides that, it's kind of a tough stretch week in and week out. It is, though, is Indianapolis a tough game? I guess that's a question to be answered. That is true. But regardless, that's a that's a tough schedule. So I agree. If, if, if they do win their division and they do make the playoffs, it's very hard to not consider Murray for the MVP. All right. I want to talk about this game a good bit. Bills Chiefs. Chiefs are only 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. They are the favorite because they're at home over the Bills uh, by 2.5 points. 
Who gets it done? And is this kind of the game for both of these teams where you really see what uh, what they're made of? Yeah, I think you'll really see what both these teams are made of. It's an AFC title rematch game. Um, having said that, I think I'm going to take Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Um, they've really had a tough stretch over these last three games. They're one and two, and the Bills are really flying high. I mean, they've scored over 35 points their last three games. Um, but I think that at home, the Chiefs can really turn it around, start getting back into that high offensive-powered groove, and they have Josh Gordon now, um, just another weapon for Patrick Mahomes, um, an MVP quarterback to throw to. Um, nonetheless, it's going to be a shootout. I don't think there will be a lot of defense in this game at all. This is an AFC Championship rematch, and I think the Bills get it done. Really? I think that this, like I said, my preseason pick, Josh Allen, Bills to the Super Bowl, I think that they get it done. I don't think I actually picked that, but I picked Josh Allen to win the MVP. This will be kind of his game where he does that. But also, like I said, this this really balances out with the Kyler Murray discussion we just had. And I really think that those those trio of quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, they're kind of the guys that you look at right now as the stars because I'm also leaving out guys. I'll, I'll say that. I'm leaving out guys. But those three guys are who I really like as young superstars that are going to be up and coming. So, Monday Night Football, we'll talk about that really quickly. Ravens-Colts, I mean, what what is there to talk about here? I mean, I don't know. You just said the Colts might be good, so... No, I, I don't think they are. Okay. I don't think they are. I think Lamar Jackson runs wild on Indianapolis this week. Yeah, I think they moved to 4-1. and one. I think this is really kind of just a, you know, just, just a ball-out game for Lamar and company. It'll be fun to watch because Lamar will be balling out, so... That does it for our NFL predictions on the scoreboard for week five. On the other side of this break, what's about the Major League Baseball postseason? Give our picks of who's going to go to the World Series. You're listening to the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to The Scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman, last segment of the hour. If you missed any part of today's show and want to go back and listen to it or just listen to any of our episodes in general, here are freezing cold takes. <laughs> uh, you can search the scoreboard on any podcasting platform of your choice. Uh, we are anywhere you can find any podcast. So uh, just search for the scoreboard and you will find us. So last segment of the hour before we get out of here in a few minutes, we are going to go ahead and talk about the wild card games the other night and a quick MLB playoff predictions. Um, first, let's start with the American League, Jacob, and the Red Sox beating the Yankees. Of course you want to start with that. Of course. Why not? I mean, I, it's I agree. my team. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. That was an exciting game. It was fun. Yeah, but so was, so was the other wild card game. Yeah. A walk-off last night. I mean, kind of hard to go ahead and pick where to start, but we'll start with the American League game. Yeah. Boston wins at home 6-2 to against their arch rivals, the Yankees. Since the 2004 series in the postseason against the Yankees, Boston is 3-1 and one in the postseason against New York. Heck of a stat. Heck of a stat. I love that. Hate the Yankees. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. You, you should. You should. Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah you, need, you need to get to a, a Red Sox-Yankees game. Yeah. Get up to Boston. Uh, yeah, in get Fenway. Up. Oh, yeah. Um, but Garrett Cole has a tough night, gets yanked after yeah. three. Two innings pitch, three earned runs, two walks. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi just having a great night. Five and a third's inning with only one run, eight strikeouts, and not a single walk. Um, I mean, we had J.D. Martinez out of this game, and our offense say. still looked great. Schwarber really picked up the pace, uh, or picked up the slack, and then also Xander Bogarts, he had a great game. 
Also, that relay from the outfield to stop Judge from scoring. That was one of the best Ooh. throws I've ever seen. That relay was just, I mean... It didn't need to be perfect, but it was. I, mean, I don't think Judge was going to score. No, I think it was Kike Hernandez who picked it up off the green monster, and then he didn't have a great throw to Xander, and then Xander makes a pinpoint throw to the plate in plenty of time. I mean, goodness. It's, it was everything you needed. It had the arm strength. It was right there on the ground, right in front of the plate. It was amazing. When I, when I saw it, because I was like, you know, obviously the first thing I was like, oh, Stanton got screwed again. And then that throw, because also I, I had no thoughts on Judge coming home because – I mean, he's not that fast. He's fast. He's got the long legs, but but yeah, never thought he was going to come up. When, yeah. when Bogarts threw that ball, I was like, "There's no way he's coming." And then the announcer started getting excited. I was like, "Oh my god, he's coming!" Yeah, I mean, he got him in plenty of time. And beautiful. Red Sox had an overall great game. Now they will move on to face the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, I am scared very much. <laughs> but we will move on to the NL Wild Card. Los Angeles Dodgers last night hosted the St. Louis Cardinals, and that game ending in a way that every young baseball player boy dreams, uh, dreams of. Hitting a walk-off home run, Taylor hits one to end the game 3-1 to one, uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning. And just, I mean, the first time ever the Dodgers will face the Giants in the postseason, which yeah. is kind of crazy to think about. That is Because they mean, both moved from New York. Think about, this is baseball we're talking about. Yeah. Like, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. World Series have been playing in 1900s, so. I mean, two teams that moved from New York together that were rivals there and moved to California together. Yeah. So I mean that that's it's gonna be a very historic week uh, when they play. Yeah, I mean that's a team that I mean a lot of people have winning their World Series brackets. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But we will go ahead and we will move on um, to the playoff schedule. So the series we have right now in the ALDS, we have the Chicago White Sox facing the Houston Astros today. Or no, I'm sorry, tomorrow. Um, or no, I'm sorry, they face today as well. And then you also have Boston traveling to Tampa Bay today as well. Uh, the night game on Fox Sports South 1. Um, and then, then the NLDS, those games will be starting this weekend as well. Atlanta and Jacobs Braves will be traveling to Milwaukee, and the Los Angeles Dodgers will travel to San Francisco and face arguably the best team in baseball in the San Francisco Giants. All right. Well, let's make our picks. Yes. Let's just go ahead and make our picks. Um, so, if you recall, my World Series pick preseason was the Chicago White Sox. So, I think the big question for me is, do, you do, stick I, with do them? I stick with them? Because... I wouldn't say they're in the top four best teams in the playoffs here. They they might be number four. I think I think I'm gonna stick with them. I have to stick with them. Um, that's kind of it's kind of ruining the whole everything about it. But the magic of baseball. I, re, I like ruining our build up to who we're gonna pick. But I, I I like the White Sox. I mean, they haven't made a ton of storylines this year, other than the beginning of the year. But they're just kind of there, and they're playing well. So. I guess, do you think your Red Sox get it done in Tampa? As sad as I nah, want to say it, it's not going to happen. You can't. Just the way we played against them in the regular season, I think we were 5-8 and eight against them in the regular season. Um, I don't think it happens. Tampa Bay is way too good of a team. They've been resting. Um, just the guys that they have. I think they win the American League pennant. Yeah. I, I, I've got Rays in four, White Sox in five on the AL side. What's your NLCS? My NLCS is I think the Giants are going to continue their dominance, and I think that they finally put an end to the Dodgers' postseason uh, reign from the past several years. So I think they're going to win that series. But I think Atlanta pulls the upset against the Milwaukee Brewers, and you'll have the Braves facing the San Francisco Giants in the pennant series. We're getting a rematch. Really? We're going to get a rematch. Well, you ought to because last year I picked y'all to beat them in yeah, the championship yeah. series. We, we need another chance. 
at the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers, I think I think that's going to be just a heck of a series. Well, if say, it doesn't go do, five games, I'm going to be so disappointed looking at the Dodgers yeah. and a Giants series. I think the Braves get it done in five, and the Dodgers get it done in five. I think we're shaping up for some of the best playoffs we've had because you've got really good teams, but you've got teams that are just kind of under the radar, like the Braves, like the White Sox, and they're going to kind of do their thing. So what is your World Series matchup? My World Series matchup is going to be the San Francisco Giants and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and I think the San Francisco Giants get it done in five games. Really? Yeah, five games. Really? I okay. think by that point, they beat their arch rival in the Dodgers. They'll be, they'll be flying high. Yeah, they'll be flying high after beating the Braves. I think y'all face them, but I don't think it's a long series. I think it's also five or six yeah. games. Um, I don't know, man. I just think it's the Giants' year. Just with the preseason predictions of them and all of the all of the hype that they didn't have and acquiring Chris Bryant, I like the Giants. My World Series. It's not the Braves. It's the Dodgers, and I've got the White Sox. I've got the White Sox winning. In six games. I mean, you have to stay with your preseason. Of course. Pick. I mean, I'm not. If they make, you have to. If they make it to the playoffs, you got to. And I, I just, like I said, they're flying under the radar. They've got the Astros, who I just, I'm not too high you on. You don't think y'all can give the Dodgers a fight, though, even without Ronald? I said six games. I think I think we take it to six games. I think what, what the Braves have done with the outfield has been great. Yeah. Tip off at Tumors tonight. I'll yes. see you there. Yes, tip off at Tumors at 7 o'clock at the corner of College and Magnolia. Festivities begin in about an hour and five minutes. And it's not raining anymore. Yeah. Rain <laughs> or shine anyway. Yeah. We're having it. Go see all the vendors as well, according yes. to Bruce Pearl. Yes, Bruce Pearl is promoting that. Go see those downtown shops and all of those businesses. But that's going to do it for us on the scoreboard. For Bay Mars, I'm Jacob Hillman. See you at Tumors. See you at Jordan Hare and War Eagle. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.